almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. Hello everyone, Kevin here. Welcome to a brand new edition of Hellions Talks. And I am excited for today's guest, that is guest plural. The attention that my podcast and my own uh, site has been paying to various Kickstarter projects is paying off with making new connections. And all these connections will hopefully lead to fully funded Kickstarters. I found a project that I am very excited about. As soon as I heard about it, I said, I have to talk to these guys. This is amazing. I actually went to the other room and I told my wife about it. I said, you got to check this out. This is the coolest thing. And by the way, I need to spend money on this too. (laughs) So my guest today from their new Kickstarter project, the new Amsterdam game, Gooseberry's Midnight Ride. I have Paul Axel and Jimmy Kutsai. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is uh, the first thing I've done since the whole pandemic started. So uh, get ready. I might be a little awkward. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you would think, because so many people were actually doing more of these unnecessarily, but I'm a big podcast listener as well. And the amount of people during the shutdown and pandemic that said, Oh, I am home more. Let me record more episodes just because you have more free time. Doesn't mean I do. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I would think with everyone working, you know, I think people would listen to podcasts like in their car or on the train or whatever. And now it's like, well, I'm home. And so my commute is literally from my bedroom to my, you know, laptop. That's, that's not a lot of podcast time to get through. No. And there was, um, one of the bigger ones said that they saw a decrease in revenue because uh, their their numbers weren't as high as they used to be because people weren't listening in the car. So they had less and less downloads. Yep. Yep. Not this one, though. <laughs> oh, good. Right on. Yeah. Now, guys, my podcast is hosted through a network of podcasts known as the Retro Network. And boy, it doesn't get much more retro than going into New York City pre-United States, just beforehand, good old year of 1776, to tell a superhero story. I like. I don't even know where to begin. I'm, I'm going to take it back before we talk about this project, though. Have you both always enjoyed comics been interested from childhood was it something you grew up with or was it something that you got into later on in life go ahead paul oh okay um so i think when i was a kid um yes i was i was big into comics i you know i grew up in this uh, kind of uh golden era where you know batman returns had just come out so i'm I'm not that old but batman returns had just come out 
Well, how old are you? Just uh, uh, listeners a lot of times I, like to I, get an idea. I'm I'm 30 years old. Like I'm like a little in my early 30s. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just just for that perspective, I'm I'm a, I'm a late 80s baby. Um, you know, Batman Returns had just come out. Uh, Batman the Animated Series was the you know the biggest thing on TV for like a kid my age. And, and from there, it kind of rolled into like, oh my God, there's actually comic books about this. And um, my dad occasionally, when he would go to a, he would go to like a, a secondhand bookstore um, in the town where my grandparents lived, and he would occasionally get me a, a stack of books. And I don't know who it was in that town, but they had a huge collection of old Batman and the outside uh, com- comics. Oh, yes. Yes, That's you know, we're talking like the like the original lineup, you know, Geo Force, Black Lightning, Katana, Halo, um, Batman, like I mean, classic stuff. And from there, yeah, it just kind of rolled into like reading more comics. You know, I got to an age where manga became big, so I was reading, uh, you know, Dragon Ball, uh, um, watching a lot more anime. High school happened. I kind of faded out of comics a bit. Uh, I think a good number of people do is that kind of low point. Nothing much was happening in um, uh, comics-wise or, or in terms of the, the um, uh, zeitgeist. Uh, and then, you know, once I got into college, uh, I you know got more and more into it, got more and more into it, and then through then, and I've been pretty consistent reader ever since. So I guess now we're going on like fifth. Teenish years or so, yeah, straight. Nice, right on. Yeah, and uh, for me, I mean, I've been into comics since uh, I can remember. Uh, I've always been drawing and everything, so I was probably five when I got my first comic. It was a uh, actually, it was a single issue of Dragon Ball Z uh, that opened from right to left. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was my first time seeing that that style of book. So that was really cool. Uh, it was also my uh, first time seeing an all-black-and-white comic, so that was awesome. Uh, yeah, um, this is way before I knew of collected versions that I would later get into, uh, you know, the more traditional graphic novel format manga. But yeah, um, made all my own. I used to make my own little comics. Um, that was uh, that was about it. I was super into Yu-Gi-Oh, Inuyasha, Trigon. Of course, all the, like, 90s-era stuff. Uh, I'm 29, by the way. I don't know if that's important, but it was, I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'd get there. Uh, a lot of my uh, Western comic influence actually came from like the 2000s. Uh, so Jim Lee Hush was a really big deal for me. Um, I think my first favorite comic book artist was John Romita Jr. Uh, really, his run on Spider-Man. Yeah, just okay. oh, I ate it up. Um, yeah, uh, and of course Sonic the Hedgehog. That's uh, that's that's just kind of something to throw out there. Uh, I was really into the early Archie run of Sonic growing up, and yeah. See, and both of these are great ones. I'm a little older. I'm 43, but uh, I was reading Batman and the Outsiders last year. Uh, when my kid turned seven, I started, and he started discovering things and getting into things. I started thinking, all right, well, what came out when I was seven? You know, what came out when I was certain ages here? So I started going back by years when I was younger, and I thought, well, what if I discovered some of these comics when I was a kid? I picked up Batman the Outsiders, which was a little beforehand 
um, when I, a little before when I did actually get into comics, but that's phenomenal series. And then for manga stuff, I was working. If if either of you remember the now dead bookstore chain Borders, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I remember Borders for sure. Yep. Yeah, uh, I was one of the main comic and graphic novel and manga people there. You know, other people working there having zero interest in it, but they knew if a customer came in, they could send me over there. And just seeing the explosion of manga and not understanding why Western comics couldn't do the same and have people of all ages coming in and picking up entire series in one shot. Like there's just something special about manga in that time frame there. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Totally. I mean, I was like, oh, wow. I was probably in fifth or sixth grade when uh, I got my first like graphic novel format manga. And that's when that whole world opened up. It was like the first uh, format of Yu-Gi-Oh! That was that was my big introduction to that side of uh, that side of comics. I I remember getting so so in all uh, honesty or clarity, I have a cousin who is a entertainment lawyer who's worked in comics forever, and so once in a while she would send me this box of stuff, freebies from San Diego Comic Con. But I'm, and I'm talking San Diego Comic-Con in like the the mid to late 90s, right? Way before it became, uh, I think, you know, what everybody thinks of. Yeah. And yeah, in, right. I remember in those boxes, like I would get these things, you know, I'd get stickers and, and whatnot. But like occasionally you would get like a comic and there would be, you know, yeah, a, um, a bound version of, of you know, uh, like a Viz preview. Like, oh, cool. Like, they put a whole bunch of comics into, like, one big comic. That's brilliant. Um, and it's, you know, I, what I like is hopefully this these sorts of practices that you see not only in Japan with these bound versions, but also in Europe, which has its own really strong, you know, comic uh, uh, tradition. You know, sort of what I'd like to call a graphic novella you know it's not as long as a graphic novel it's longer than a comic book it still has the same sort of binding as a graphic novel um you know i would see you know when i went traveled over there you would see tons of those on the newsstand you just pick one up that was something i'd love to see here oh that sounds really cool yeah i would love that too that sounds that sounds really interesting because we don't really have a middle ground here yeah well i think both of you are seeing comics the way I do. And unfortunately we still have so many people that see it as the Biff Bam Pow, Adam West Batman thing. And every year you get that, Oh, comics aren't for kids. Comics haven't been for kids for kids only ever, but that's just how it was marketed and stuff. And you guys both see it with your own work, I think. And with the examples you're just given for other countries, it's a medium that can tell any story that anyone can ever imagine. That's a beautiful thing about it that we love. Uh, I always wondered why someone didn't take uh, the Shonen Jump example, but for a U.S. publisher, take like 300 pages of stuff in Marvel or DC's vaults, $5 on every magazine stand in the country, and just wait for the new readers to come in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Shonen Jump, that's that's a, that's another game changer that we just we don't really touch here at all. No. 
it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, sorry. Um, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of, uh, I'm really big into Adult Swim and Toonami mm-hmm. and Shonen Jump was like the readable version of Toonami growing up, you know? Absolutely. And, and like, we don't really have that Saturday morning block uh, in like a readable format for us, like on the Western side, I guess I should say. Um, I know DC's tried doing it with, uh, that, uh, it's like a supersized issue for Walmarts. I know that they've tried doing it. I don't know if they're still doing it. Um, but yeah, I would like to, I would definitely like to see more Shonen Jump style, uh, books over, over on this side for sure. Well, I mean, even the idea that I think both Marvel and DC had, maybe it was just mostly Marvel, but you know, the $1, you know, essentially back issues of like their greatest hits, right? Uh, if you go into a comic book shop, there's going to be a section, not not like the not the boxes in the back, but like re- recent reprints. Marvel intentionally is selling them for a dollar, so that like, oh, hey, you want you want to get your hands on like the story in this famous issue? Here it is, right? Uh, that would be a great way too. Except the only place you see it is in a comic book shop, and you need to put comics in small. Or other than a comic book shop, if you want to expand your readership, I guess. Well, it's even just the perception that so many people have. I was at work talking about this interview that we're doing tonight, mentioning a Kickstarter, a crowdfunded comic. And I had coworkers not understanding why that would be a thing. And I, I had trouble comprehending why they couldn't understand it. I said, you do realize that people aren't making this stuff for free, right? <laughs> like this costs money to make for both of you to, you know, get something out of it at the end of the day. And it's just, we know comics is a business. We know the beauty of it too, but there is just such a negative view or an ignorant view for a lot of the population though still. I guess, yeah, no, I, I, I guess, yeah, that's true. Uh, I was just taking it in for a moment. It's like um, people tend not to think about the effort that goes into sort of into the art, which is weird, especially with comics. Those stories being uh, pretty much everywhere now, right? We, we kind of live in this, I mean golden age seems like an understatement. Everything that used to get us beat up is cool now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, so, but yeah, you know, people don't really think about the stuff, you know, where does that entertainment come from? I mean, somebody had to to create these characters. Somebody had to write up stories. And, you know, as I often tell people, like, hey, like, there's a lot of jobs out there that you don't know about. And you know, just like in the comic book industry, there's a lot of roles that, that need to get filled in order to put that book in your hand. But yeah, I, it's the idea of kickstarting a comic. Um, I guess most people, when they think of, oh, crowdfunding, it's like, you know, we need to plug our holes in, in the American healthcare system because, you know, Bobby here needs a kidney. So can you raise money for that or something like that? I don't think people think about like artistic endeavors in kickstarter and that's a huge part of it 
So as far as Kickstarter goes, I kind of think of it as a one-stop shop. Uh, I don't really see it as much different than going to Amazon and buying a book. If you like the book, you pay the price and you you get the version that you want the most, right? There's sometimes there's hardback, sometimes there's not. And with Kickstarter, there's just these different tiers that you can choose. You know, like we have the the five dollar digital, um, and then if you want, you can get a little bit more for a little bit of extra cash. And uh, yeah, I just kind of feel like Kickstarter is a way to fund something, and it's like a you know, like I said earlier, a one stop shop. You go in, you pay for the item that you want, and you get it. So yeah, yeah. in a way, it's kind of like pre ordering, right? It's it's it, hey, if we get enough pre orders, we can actually get this out to you. And if we don't, then then you know, you're not out any money. Yeah, it's no harm, no foul. That's the way yeah, I look yeah. at it. Kickstarter, Kickstarter is pretty cool in the sense that uh, no one's out of money. No one's out of like, uh, it, um, no one's out of money and you're not really out of time either, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, yeah. What you get is what you, uh, what you give is what you get and vice versa. So, but there's also, we've all seen people on Kickstarter that are a little flaky, we'll say, but both of you come to this established you already have resumes what for each of you what was the moment where you went from a reader of comics a collector and enjoyer hobbyist whatever term you want into deciding hey i want to create something here i have a voice i have a inspiration here that i want to get out there for the rest of the world See, I think I've always wanted to do comics. Um, I know I've always wanted to draw, um, but I mean, there's there's videos of me when I was five, you know, talking about what I want to do when I get older, and it's always been comic book artist. As soon as I opened up the credits page and I could see that there was a penciler and an inker and a colorist and all that sort of stuff, I think I've always, I've I, ever since then, I think is when I decided I wanted to do it, right? Um, don't think I really uh, made it a like an adult decision to pursue it as a career or uh, on a more um, extreme level, right? Uh, until I was probably around 24, 25. Um, and then even then it was still kind of kind of slow. I would go to cons, I would show my portfolio. I would get advice from some awesome creators. Uh, it's actually, um, I mean, cons is how I met Paul. Uh, and a bunch of other great indie creators. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably, uh, if I'm being honest, last year to this year is when I felt like, oh, okay, this is this is becoming, this is it. This is this is what I this is what I do. So I would say it feels real more recent, actually. I came into it um, roughly around the same age uh, Jimmy did uh, when I was uh, around 23 or so. Um, I left. I, I I I was out of grad school and I had this like nine month period of fun employment. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm just like, what do I do with my days? You know, I had a I had a girlfriend who was super supportive. And I said one day, you know, and I'd been going to a comic shop regularly, talking with the guys there who, you know, a bunch of them um, 
like were involved in the business. Um, like the comic shop I went to when I was when I was living in in the Boston area was just filled with talent. Um, I'm not gonna name drop because that's crass. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'm like I can I can do this. Like I I have a story I want to tell, and so uh, you know my girlfriend actually got, got me a book. She got me the uh, the Dennis O'Neill DC Comics Guide to Writing Comics. <laughs> And I read that thing cover to cover and I'm like, okay, this is the path. And I just started writing. And, you know, from there, uh, I said, you know, God, I really enjoy this. And it was a great way to, to, you know, pass the time whilst also looking for a job. And, um, you know, and, and I've been, I write, I've write, written since then, you know, I've tried to make it a point to have at least one, you know, 24 page book. A year, I think, is my goal. I say if I can do that and it's, it's really solid, then I'll be happy with myself. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, oh, I got a couple of pieces or, or whatever it might be. But, like, you know, for me, no. Is this my day job? No, it is not my day job. Um, but it is something that I can't see myself not doing. I, I have to. I have to write. I have stories I want to tell. I have ideas I want to share uh, and subliminal messages I want to get across. Uh, and so, <laughs> and so I couldn't not write. You know, even balancing it with with the rest of my life, I I, I have to do this. Well, I feel that the what separates a creator from just someone that is playing around with it? I've had times, I think we've all had times where we wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth all this effort I'm putting into? I don't know how many people I'm reaching. Is it enough? What is my goal here? But you get to a point where you say, this is me though. I'm putting it out. Even if I put it out for one, I have something inside of me that has to come out. And this is my outlet for getting it out there into the world. And I have to do it. Or else I don't feel right anymore. Absolutely, I think I think everybody has a voice, and the way that they want to express that voice obviously changes from person to person. You know, Jimmy's got art. Uh, I've got uh, writing. Uh, you know, someone out there has music, and and when that voice gets sort of silenced or or they can't find the time to express that voice um i don't want to say bad things happen but like things just aren't as enjoyable life just isn't as enjoyable uh as when you can and so i think that's to me that is the best part of what we are seeing especially uh, crowdfunding and Kickstarter is now you have so many more voices uh, that you otherwise may never have heard, and they're out there and they're so easy to find. Um, and it's really, you know, it's really wonderful. Some voices, obviously, not so good. Um, <laughs> that's you know, that's the the risk you run. Um, but. So the good, I'm an optimist, I'm an eternal optimist. The good always outweighs the bad. 
there's always going to be more good voices out there than bad voices. And, and you just have to find them and elevate them. Well, it's funny you bring up the all the voices today. I, I was talking to my kid earlier. He was asking about um, some of the Disney movies because now he's getting into those. And there's a vast difference in who is represented on screen within the last five years, for sure, compared to my childhood, compared to Disney previously, 60s, 50s and all. And I was explaining to him, you're growing up in a great age, buddy, where everyone is shown where everyone gets a time to shine and when i was growing up there was one voice and one face on the tv and in the movies and everywhere and we all kind of got sick of only having that one voice out there yeah for sure you know it's, it's definitely different it's definitely different than how it used to be for sure that's a good thing i mean hell even the comics industry is different than when it you know how it used to be and rightfully so yeah some i i think we'll all agree there's some stores and some places that aren't moving forward but for the most part everyone is that's true Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah now you mentioned finding time uh for doing this though question for both of you how do you find the time what's your time management skills do you feel that there's some things that you need to put aside that you can't do in order to get this stuff done in order to give yourself moments for your creative outlet do you just have to turn off your phone and leave it to the you know in another room so you don't keep checking it um is it just losing sleep to find the time where where do you cram all of this into your day See, it, it's kind of embarrassing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Uh, I'm not going to give you the title to any of the books, right? But uh, I've read some self-help books that have uh, helped me do like very concentrated work in small spurts of time. So everything for me uh, is pretty, pretty uh, organized and scheduled out for the day. So I usually start my day you know, with some coffee, taking the dog out, all that good stuff. But I make a really detailed list of all the, all the things I want to do that day, whatever goals I have, uh, for the career. Um, you know, and I, I'll even put chores on like, Hey, make sure you do the dishes at 4 PM or something like that. (laughs) And make sure it doesn't last longer than 10 minutes so you can get right back to it. Um, so that's, that's, that's how I do it. I usually try to wake up around nine, uh, get in the studio about 11 and if I can be done by seven, it's a good day. And if uh, I can be done by 10 PM, it's an okay day, but I usually stop around 10 PM and uh, spend the rest of my night with my partner, Rachel. And yeah, we just kind of hang out. I'm kind of lucky in that my job, I'm a teacher. And so, you know, do I get up early? Yeah, I do get up early. (laughs) But my day, you know, my day ends pretty much when the school day ends. And so, you know, when I get home, there's still plenty of time. You know, I still have a good hour, two hours where I can just sort of sit down um, and and just think and write uninterrupted. Um, and, and it's just 
making that time. You know, maybe I don't, maybe I write a page. Maybe I write less than a page. Maybe I get really inspired and I write three pages. But like, as long as I'm writing something, that's a good day. Uh, or, or at least thinking about something. I don't have to write a script page, but like maybe I'm writing down some story notes or some directions that I want to take. That's fine. Um, it's, it's, you know, the, 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 the girlfriend that gave me the book, now my wife. Okay. So she understands, she understands <laughs> this madness that I have. And so she's behind, you know, she, she supports me. Uh, she knows that like, okay, Paul's got a really, Paul's got a story that he has to just go right down. And, and so, you know, I'll take care of the kid, our kid for a second and, and, he'll just write the thing and, and I know that when he's done he'll he'll come back and um which is not to say that like I cut them out of my life while you know I'm sitting in the dark writing it's, it's very much not so um so uh, and on top of that you know when the school year's over like like now that for me is a very busy time it's like okay you know writing starting doing cons uh you know this year if nothing else, COVID gave me a lot of free time to <laughs> to do some writing. Um, so for me, it's, it's finding a bit of that, that time every day. You know, it, Jimmy comes at it from from the perspective of like this is his job, and, and so he devotes you know job like time to it. And I'm like, well, once my job is done, that is when I devote my time to it. So two very two two very different approaches, but I'd like to think two very equally legitimate approaches yeah yeah as long as it works for the person and you get the results that you want at the end of the day that's all that matters you can if you can do it like that or if i can do it like this that's all that matters it's about that end mm. result that, that's the thing that i look back at my younger self you know 18 when i thought i knew everything and realized i didn't that doesn't matter if I do this ABC and you do this one, two, three, as long as we get to the same result, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's exactly it. Oh. Took um, me until like now to realize that. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're happy with the result, that's good enough. Right? You'll never please everybody. But if you can at least please yourself, right? So oh. so all you listeners out there know that. <laughs> the key to life is, is pleasing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, as long as long as you're happy with what you've produced, that should be enough. Is it great if other people like it? Hell yeah, it is. But if you're not happy with it, you know why did you do it in the first place? You you should be happy with what you do. Side question for Paul. Oh, when I first went. <laughs> No, no, no. When I when I first went to college, I thought I wanted to get into teaching. And then uh, the further I got into it, I said, I'm not quite sure I can do this. I'm in New York. So, you know, and our things are a little different. Yeah. Um, but my best friend became a teacher. His wife is a teacher and all. So in your writing, though, is there ever a moment where you're writing a villain or someone that is about to get punched in the face and you really want to take that parent that said, I wish I got my summers off and put them into that role. <laughs> <laughs> Why no, whatever do you mean? I'm a professional. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, summers are, uh, how do I put it? My, my summers are like, I, I have really two or three weeks where I, I'm not thinking about my job. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 we don't have summers. You guys know this. We don't have summers off. We, we have time in which we're not, not teaching, but we're preparing for the next year. Um, but yes, are there some people that I think of when I, uh, when I think of, of punchable faces, which I think has its own word in German, a face that, that, oh, God, it does. that. Uh, back Pfeifengesicht. Yes, because I, I did teach that to my students. I teach <laughs> I teach important things to my students, like the word back Pfeifengesicht, uh, a, a, a face that must be slapped. Um, so yeah, I do th- I do think of some parents or actually they're all, they're mostly all faceless Reddit commenters. So I guess Ew, I can put God. any face in there that I want and that'll work. <laughs> uh. It, internet's a wonderful thing and an awful thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. I think it's time. I think it's time for our listeners as well. I think we need to talk about why we're all here. The Kickstarter for the new Amsterdam game, Gooseberry's Midnight Ride. Where did this even come from? This is an amazing idea. This is so cool. It is an idea. A, a time frame that's really just unexplored in comics. I think you guys have a complete free reign. No one's going to say, oh, you're ripping this off. You're doing this. You're copying here. This is like just untouched territory here you're going for, I think. Uh, great idea. Great concept. Everything I was reading about this, I was like, I- I'm I'm in. I'm so in. Then you go and you see the art, too, and it's Oh my God, this is really good. This is going to be something special here. What's the origin? Where did this come from? Tell me everything. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, so yeah, you're you're kind of on the right track. It's like this is, <laughs> this is a really unexplored area of of potential superpowers, and yet there is a legacy uh, going back to this time of uh, sort of. Uh, I wouldn't say like superheroes, but certainly masked men, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm I'm playing with that idea, like I, I and I'm keeping intentionally vague because you know I don't want to give away too much here. I'm I'm playing with with sort of this literary already existing literature, uh, um, this idea. I'm bringing my own expert, my own knowledge as somebody that studied history in, in, that was my major. That was graduate major, undergraduate major. Like, this is an area that I know. People that have read my stuff before know that I, I, I play with history a lot. Um, but really what I wanted to do in this instance was... I'm like, I just want to cut loose with a good old-fashioned swashbuckling story. <laughs> I, I just want to try my hand at something that's a little more action-packed, a little more fast-paced. Uh, and so my whole idea was was to do that, but do it in a way where um, it, the story itself is kind of old school. 
you know, we're in a time period now where comics are like cross mingled with each other, long backstories, you know, I think X-Men is the best example of this. Like if you are reading only one X-Men title, you are missing out, you know, another four fifths of the story. And you either have to be comfortable with that or you're going to be spending a lot more money on, on X titles. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to go back to this idea that's like you could pick up any single issue of this comic and know exactly what's going on, know exactly who the characters are. And by the end of it, oh, that was a great read. And if you want to read more of them, cool. That create, you know, it, it creates a more fleshed out story. But like, if you don't want to read it, any more of them, it's like you got the story. You're not missing anything. You know what I mean? Very serialized. Um. And so I just kind of, you know, deciding like, okay, that's how the story is going to look. This is the sort of character I want to put together. You know, what's a good time period? And then for me, it was a lot of research. Like um, people who read this book who have a familiarity with, uh, say, AMC's turn, which is something I constantly mention in, in sort of promoting this thing. It's like you're going to recognize the sort of setting and the location. And and, um, the idea, excuse me, is that I'm playing in that same sort of sandbox um, where uh, it's somewhat familiar, but this is a totally, you know, I've taken it to 11, right? There's no masked men jumping off buildings in the American Revolution that I that anyone knows of. <laughs> It'd be awesome, but um, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, let's just take this to 11. And 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 when I started writing in, I was making, uh, making progress. I'm like, okay, I need an artist. I know exactly who I'm going to go to. Jimmy and I had talked about doing a project together pretty much ever since we met each other at C2E2 a few years ago. And I'm like, you have to laugh. Like, I've seen his work. I'm like, it's dynamic. It fits this style. Jimmy, you're not going to have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you. So that's, I think I answered your question. I don't know. I kind of rambled a bit. So. No, no, you did. But it's just, it's such a cool idea, though. And I, the time frame doesn't really work out entirely. We've seen swashbuckling, like Scarlet Pimpernel. Um, I would say there's even like a, a Zorro element in a way to this. Uh, there's, but you could say there's Batman because, of course, there's going to be like a, a bit of a Gotham idea here. And I wouldn't blame people for thinking that at all. But it's also like. I don't. No one who has done that stuff is doing it the same way Jimmy's doing it here either, though. Like just in the preview art here, I'm like, it. It's kind of a little bit of this person's style, a little bit that person's style, but also influences that. In our conversation, I think I'm picking up on you know some stuff too here with other stuff that you've mentioned, enjoying on your own. And it's just so damn pretty. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I, yeah. 
Um, I don't know if there was there. I don't know if there was a question there or not. But I, I am really happy <laughs> you said all that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, when when drawing it, uh, I was. This sounds kind of. I, I don't know if it sounds silly or or what it sounds, but. Uh, I was thinking of pro wrestling, Power Rangers, and, and Batman and Daredevil all mixed together. If you balled it up and then threw it into 1776, how would how would I draw that? What would that look like? Um, and then, yeah, this this these crazy illustrations uh, are, is what popped out of my head. So, well, all right. So, and and. You're welcome, Paul. Jimmy, you'll see it soon. I finally decided which oh, I year saw I wanted. It. I saw it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to throw some... Can we swear on this? Yes. Okay, we're going to throw some extra shit into your bag when, when this gets sent out, All so right. don't worry about that. Alright, I won't say no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I, Honestly, the toughest thing with one like this is, okay, what level do I want to be at and, and not get in trouble with my wife, too, though, you know? <laughs> You spent how much? <laughs> but it's going into good cause, it is. <laughs> it is. I I I could waste my money on much worse things. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, that's true. Just, just just say that we're saving you from your worst impulses. That's that's what we're here for. <laughs> true. True. I, I come home every night and I just sit down and read my comics. There's people that do much worse. That's right. <laughs> so how do you guys go about it? Because, I mean, I've I've played with writing my own comic. I've never gotten far enough. That's my own self-doubt issues as a you know creative person. I think we're our own worst enemies at times. But... I know from talking to so many people that make comics from my own research and reading and everything, the collaborative process. And again, to go back to it, I think people that aren't into comics don't realize how they are made the back and forth. So how, even in just the preview art and everyone listening, check out the Kickstarter for some preview art here for the series. How do you two go about deciding the pages, the panel layouts, how the action's proceeding. Is it really tight, detailed script, or is there room to breathe? How do you two go back and forth to create this here? So, I mean, I had a uh, I had a very good co-writer, uh, Sammy. Uh, uh, Sam Watson. So she also has um, sort of she has drawing experience. That's a lot of where she does her work. Um, and she sort of came in. I had a I don't know. Uh, Jimmy saw the first the first script. I kind of give you know give artists a little free reign, a lot of free reign really in. Um, how they want to depict something or, or, or how something should look, unless I have a very specific vision, in which case then it's a very detailed <laughs> um, uh, panel caption. And Sam kind of came in, uh, looked at the script, told me I was an idiot. Um, <laughs> and we just sort of, you know, we, we kind of went back, cleaned things up, tightened things up, uh, gave more focus. I don't know if that 
if that kind of restricted Jimmy, maybe, I don't know. Um, but it made for, in my mind, a much stronger script. And then when that's done, I kind of throw it to my artist, in this case, Jimmy, and I'm like, here, go nuts. And I, I uh, yeah, and, and Jimmy can take it from there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it wasn't restricting at all. Uh, just, just let's throw that out there. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, all good. Um, the way I, the way, this was really fun. Um, Sam is a, Sam Watson is a really good illustrator and writer. Uh, she added uh, some more depth to the script and uh, made it really easy to visualize what Paul and she had in mind. Um, that's the way I kind of took it. And then, uh, so they do their collaboration and they give me the script and then I do my interpretation of it. And uh, I usually, well, in this case, I did some layouts of the pages and then Paul and I got on the phone um, and made some quick adjustments, uh, nothing too crazy, kept all the beats to the story right there. Um, we just kind of uh, incorporated all of our ideas to create these these pages, I guess would be the best way to describe it. I hope I said all of that <laughs> in a <laughs> way, but yeah. So what is, or if, and if you don't even know yet, maybe you don't know, what is your overall thought here for this project though? Uh, is this going to be one single issue? You know, um, I'll, I'll say usual page number because that can vary. Or do you see it as part of a series or does it just kind of depend on where, how this Kickstarter turns out? I think in my mind, I mean, I have a bunch more stories with Gooseberry. I have, you know, I think five or six ideas that I keep on a fold, like in a folder. I'm like, you know, can this be a series? Yeah, can it? But like I said, the whole idea of this being very serialized is that we can walk away from it and then just come back and be like, hey, here's another Here's another story. It's it's very much in that sort of same vein as, you know, a lot of the uh, sort of popular fiction novels that you see. Like um, Clyde Cussler comes to mind, right? Uh, his, his Dirk Pitt novels, if you're familiar. Yep. Each one kind of stands alone right there's there's very there's some reference here and there to something else that's happened in the past but it doesn't really detract from the story if you don't understand or don't understand the reference you can pick one up they're all kind of interchangeable almost <laughs> that's i think that's a shortcoming of, of Kessler's style but you know he, he had he had deadlines and people to please and i have neither um but like it's <laughs> you know this idea that like Hey, if we ever wanted to do this again, we could. If somebody, uh, if like a publisher came up to us, hint, hint, and said like, we love this. Would you guys think of doing some more? We could. If, you know, if everybody was, was pleased with, with the offer. Um, and if it's just a one shot, then it's a one shot that I'm happy and I can live with. I don't know. Jimmy, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I think the beauty of um, of this project is right now it's a one shot. We're we're, we're looking at um, twenty four page issue. Um, 
that if, yeah, it's like, well, it's like what Paul said, if there's room and people want it, uh, we have the opportunity and the option. I, I like the idea of having it open. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Well, it's also very, because uh, we, we've discussed the attitudes of American comics versus comics uh, in other countries and other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. I will throw TV shows in there as well. You have an American comic that has to go a certain length of issues. You know, we have to have this many for the graphic novel and we have to continue this many to get, you know, a special shiny cover at the end when we reach these numbers. You have American TV shows of we need to hit 22 or 24 episodes when really you didn't need that many episodes because you didn't have that big of a story to tell. Like, I appreciate here's my story. If like there are other stories, but I can have this be one and done or I can do something else later, but I'm not going to feel uh obligated i'll say in a way to just push out stuff that's of lower quantity or sorry lower quality just to reach some mythical number here that someone else dictated right yeah no i really enjoy the idea of there being a beginning middle and a possible end to a story that you can just sit with and be like ah okay cool and you know yet again going back to it if there's room for a second one, let there be one, you know? Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's that, uh, yeah, you are seeing, you do see that in um, a lot of television shows, particularly from Europe, where it's like, yeah, we made this story. It's six episodes. Deal with it. <laughs> and, and like, you either like it or you don't like it, but, like, it's not like, and now we're going to go into season 13, you know, uh, it's it's we have a story to tell and we've told the story and the story has been told and that's it. And if you liked it, you liked it. And if you didn't, you know, you didn't waste too much of your time. No. And speaking of things that are not wastes of time, let me see if I can give these guys some more money. All right, <laughs> Jimmy, I'm going to start with you because Paul, Paul doesn't know something. So I'm going to go with him second. You have a piece up here on ArtStation that I would totally grab as a poster. And it doesn't seem to be an option for me to do so. But I'm and I'm gonna have links to all your guys' stuff when this goes live. But as a player myself and my entire family of Pokemon Go, there's an album cover on here. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, there is. That's uh, that's my buddy. Yeah, that is amazing. And I, I like because we got Pokemon stuff set up in the house now because we've played Pokemon Go from the beginning, and now you know for all of us to go as a family to do it is fun. And as soon as I saw this album cover, I went, "That's incredible." <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that was for uh, my buddy, uh, Black Shinobi. He's a rapper based out of. Uh, West Lafayette, Indiana. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, he commissioned me to do that. Ooh, maybe two years ago now. Uh, that was really fun because it was my first time uh, digitally painting a background. So if you get out um, within the Game Boy, uh, yeah. you can. There's, it's all, it's all painted and everything up. And that was, uh, yeah, I was trying to do my take 
um, a hard lined drawing in the foreground, like with the characters that you see. And uh, yeah, a nice soft painting in the background, you know. Well, it's the Game Boy detail that got me is a little power icon to the side that this creature is partially covering. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So I think what you're telling me is I need to buy your friend's album here. Yeah, he's on uh, he's on Spotify, so check him out. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you want, get in contact with me after this and uh, I'll get in contact with him. And if I can get you a print of it, let's let's see what we can do. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll slide into your DMs, as the kids say. Yeah, they, I think that's what they all say. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'll ask my students. I think that is what they <laughs> say. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, Paul, years ago, I was doing this as well. Interviewing creators, having people say, hey, you know, I really like what you said about my stuff. Here's a PDF or here's a suggestion or whatever. And one was a really, really fun comic from Slave Labor Graphics called Sanctuary. And I think you know the guy that drew it. Because you have a work called Happiness is a Warm Bun. (laughs) Yeah. And Stephen Koff, I have followed him online for years since he put out that Sanctuary book. Oh my god, yes. Small world. I, yeah. I know. I was going through stuff. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stephen, um, we kind of ran in the same circles uh, when I lived out in Boston. And then I th- think this book was like, this is that one shot that I want to do. Uh, it was, um, you know, it's much more lighthearted. It's uh, actually my first attempt at like, no dialogue whatsoever. It's a silent comic. It's uh, a Larry Hammer G.I. Joe? Ba- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except much more burger-oriented. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if Larry is, is as in tune to hamburgers and cheeseburgers as I am, but if he is, he can, he can call and rap about that sometime. But you know, I said, oh, yeah, I've got this idea. And, and Kovlin was like, yeah, this sounds fun. Let me let me take a look at it, and and, and we just did it, and it was just this fun project um, that now I will like occasionally give away when I'm like basically begging people to give for the Kickstarter. It's like I'll give you a free copy of this digital comic. Just just donate. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that I did it last year as sort of like a hey, none of us got an awesome summer because of COVID. So here's my summer story. Here's a summer story too to just kind of tickle your funny bone and, and and give you a good burger recipe in the back to boot. So that was an advantage. But, but see, that's a beautiful thing for comics here. It's something that just for fun, for your own amusement, that can now last forever. Yeah. And, and like, hopefully it bring, you know, yes, did it bring me joy? Yes. Does it bring other people joy? I hope so. Uh... Like I, I hope they got a chuckle out of it when they if they read it, and, and you know, yeah, it's it's kind of that fun process of having an idea and bringing that idea into being. Like it exists now, it's there. All right, and for anyone listening, if you want to bring this Kickstarter into being, head over to the link in the show. 
sign up, pledge your support, many different tier levels for it. Uh, you can do five for the digital copy. Uh, the eight should, I mean, honestly, the eight should be gone soon. That's a heck of a deal for the, and at the start. $10 deals, 35 all the way up, whatever level you want to support. Make this comic into reality here. Gentlemen, we end the show like we end all good things with you promoting and hyping the hell out of your social media and your sites. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, on Instagram, it's just at Jimmy Kutai. Uh, the Kutai is a doozy. It is K-U-C-A-J. Um, and on Twitter, it is at Jimmy Kutai Art. Uh, I also want to go ahead and shout out Linda Scott Campbell. She's my color assistant on the project, and uh, I want to be able to color the book without her. Uh, she's based out of Vancouver Island, Canada, and she's an awesome colorist on her own. Um, so go ahead and give her a follow, too, on Twitter at L. Scott Campbell. Thank you. Uh, I don't have as many uh, uh, <laughs> social media accounts as as others do so you can just easily find me on twitter at p j axel a x e l one seven uh you can also look at my uh my website which is paxelcomics.com p a x e l comics.com uh also a shout out to the rest of our uh brilliant creative team uh sam watson which is at sam rose watson uh, awesome, awesome, awesome illustrator, uh, beautiful, uh, vibrant art that you should check out. And yeah, you should definitely also, check out our movie posters. Sorry. They're they so are, good. They are bomb. They are bomb. I hope one day to walk into a movie theater and just see her stuff on the wall and just be, yeah, I knew, I knew her when. Um, and then our letterer, Justin Birch, uh, who is phenomenal. Uh, award nominated, uh, but totally deserves to be award winning. Uh, I I've lost track of the number of titles he's done, but probably seen his work. He's at Justin Birch, B I R C H. Uh, this is a world class team uh, on this comic. I couldn't be prouder of the work that we've done. I just want to say, jumping in here, I appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, I know from many conversations I've had with people in comics, from examples, from learning of the whole process and all, the colorist and the letter are a thankless task from most of comic readers, but they really can make or break a book. The good ones need to be applauded bad ones need to be to work harder at it <laughs> but you're absolutely right this is a phenomenal team on this that will make everything look absolutely beautiful and all colorist letters everyone for a creative team for any comic deserves to get the recognition absolutely it takes a village to raise an them. idiot doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> so all right, guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy days to be part of the show. 
I hope my small little voice here is able to bring more attention to your work because it absolutely deserves to be fully funded on Kickstarter and get this out into the world. You guys are fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us, Kevin. Thank you, guys.